0: Today, we wrap up the series called Who Needs God? And if this is the first time you've joined us or you haven't had a chance to listen to the previous five messages, I'm telling you that you are literally coming on at the end of a conversation. And when you, if you've ever come in at the end of a conversation, you're going to find yourself saying, what in the world are they talking about? So I encourage you to visit our website or to download our app so that you can listen to the previous messages because it'll make today make a lot more sense if you do that. In fact, I think this whole message series is one big sermon just broken out into six different weeks. But what I also want to say before I get started this morning is that I am just really thankful. I I love this church. I'm thankful for you guys because we get to have this conversation from the pulpit. In fact, I've gotten more feedback out of this series, and not all of it has been good, but it's okay. It's okay because I I understand why. I understand that, that that it's uncomfortable at times. And at times, it's been tough to follow along, and at times, it's been convicting. But the point that I'm trying to relate to you is that I, I, just, I just love our church, that, we, that you get to give me this flexibility. Because what we've said all along through this series is that this series was intended to address a growing concern of the church. And I don't mean just our church, the entire church with a capital C. And that is that we've seen a growing number of people that are either walking away from the faith thinking of walking away from the faith or those who believe sort of believe but they have yet to fully commit or to fully surrender and not throughout this whole series it has never been our intent to convert anyone whether they were atheist or not but it was their intent to ask those who grew up in the church to that, that either left or are thinking of leaving or we are asking you to come back That's what this whole thing is about. I want you to come back to the faith of your childhood, but not necessarily your childhood faith. Essentially, we are inviting you. This whole series is an invitation to begin an adult journey of faith or to continue or to commit or recommit in your adult journey of faith. Because if you put your faith in the back burner for a root, it could be a really good reason Like a bad church experience or or something that you learned in college that you couldn't reconcile with Sunday school. Whatever the reason may be, I just want you to come back and at least start asking the questions that perhaps an adult would ask about their faith. And it's okay. I mean, we've said all along, it's okay. Just bring your science with you. In fact, I, I said that first service and right in between services, I was having a lot of science questions right after this message, which is good. We want to encourage that. Bring your skepticism about the Bible. Bring your skepticism about the Old Testament miracles. Bring all of that with you. And here's another thing that I want to encourage you to do. And for this one, I'm going to take my pastor hat off and I'm going to put my dad hat on. And really, I I want to speak to all of you, but I I want to speak to dad specifically you know, I, you guys know that we don't, went down to Mexico during Christmas to, to have a dinner with, with the family down there and give them gifts. And what we usually do is we recruit family members to come help us serve. And this year, we had a young lady who's a relative of ours. She's about 19 years old. And we hadn't seen her for a long time, about eight years, I think. And when we were done that, I proceeded, as I often do with, I, when I have conversations with people. Oh, what church do you go to? She's, she's from Texas. And she proceeded to tell me, oh, I'm not a religious person which, by the way, I don't know what that means. But then she proceeded to tell me that one of the best things that her parents had ever done for her was not to take her to church so that she can make up her mind on her own. And I have to tell you that as a dad, that just broke my heart. So what I want to encourage you to do is, is to not let your adult skepticism or commitment to rob your children of a foundation that will serve them for life. Because if you're honest, in most cases, you would say, you know what? I don't believe everything that I learned in Sunday school, but, but it did lay a foundation for me that, again, I can't even describe it. But there was something good in that foundation that that church laid for me. So don't rob your kids of that as you wrestle with questions and, frankly, that you may never have answers to. And essentially, what we're asking you through this series is to just take a step. Because everyone can take a step. I mean, you can read something, you can listen to something, you can watch something, or you can join a small group. Because at our church, you can belong before you believe. And when I say belong, I mean, you can come and you can get involved and you can check us out. In fact, you can even serve in some capacity before you believe everything that we believe. And the reason we're this way and the reason that we embrace that is because when Jesus was on earth, he invited people to follow him that did not believe in him. In fact, if you read it, you would see that his followers were worse than any of us. You know, they believed and they didn't believe and they didn't know what to believe and then they believed again. But here's the point, they end up changing the world. So if you've ever believed, stop believing, and you're reconsidering, you have doubt, guess what, folks? You're in. You fit the description for somebody who followed Jesus in the first century. And we recognize that this is a journey, that it takes time. So we invite you to step back into the pool and to begin following Jesus. And here's the key. Following Jesus, not a church church not a religion, but following Jesus, understanding that you may not understand everything. Because none of us will. But please, please don't discard what is undeniable for something that is currently unexplainable. And please don't throw everything out just because something threw you off when you were a child or or younger. And there's one other thing. And this is why I want to spend the rest of my time. Can you believe I haven't even started my message, my sermon? I'm sorry about that. But here's how I want to wrap up this series with you guys. I want those of you who are either stepping away, thinking of stepping away from the faith, have doubt, don't want to fully commit. I want to ask you to do something that's very difficult and when I say difficult, I'm really just relating it to me because it's difficult for me, so I'm thinking that it's difficult for everyone. I want to encourage you to be honest with yourself this morning. I want to encourage you to self-reflect this morning. And maybe it's not hard for you, but it, but it is hard for me because in my experience, whenever I look in the mirror and I'm super honest with myself, I, I always end up with a homework assignment. When I'm honest with myself and I have to walk away, that means that generally there's someone that I have to apologize to. When I'm absolutely honest with myself, there's something that I have to admit that I don't want to admit. There's something that I have to own up to that I don't want to own up to. And when I'm really honest with myself, oftentimes that leads me to have to humble myself. And folks, humility does not come easy for me. But I think I speak for everyone when I say that because here's something that we've all learned as adults. This whole self-deception always takes us in a bad direction. And I'm asking us to be honest about this whole conversation we're having in the series, because if you're thinking of walking away, having doubt, recommitting, engaging, we can't have that conversation unless we are honest with ourselves or it won't bear fruit. And we know this because when we're not honest with ourselves, you can't get to where you need to be. In fact, we end up getting stuck and we end up putting a lid on growth or we cap our growth. and, And here's how we know this, because if you think about it, I mean, think about your adult life or your adult family life. Think how different it would have been if that person that was close to you, maybe it was your mom and dad. Think about what would have happened in your life if they would have been honest with themselves. But instead... They played games, they hid, they made excuses, they justified, and they just wouldn't take responsibility. For some of you, your experience, your adult experiences would have been completely and totally different if somebody would have had the ability or someone would have encouraged them to just be able to say, hey, face up to what you know its true, take responsibility. Now, folks, I know this is getting a little deep. Maybe even come across a little insulting, but I, I don't mean it to be. And that's why I love that flexibility that you're giving me. So hang with me. We've encouraged you to read some books through this series. One of them has been a book by Thomas Nagel. Now, Thomas Nagel is a professor at New York University, but he's also an atheist. He teaches philosophy and law, and he wrote this book where he makes this extraordinary confession. And his honesty, to me, is just astonishing And I'm quoting this book because I believe that his thoughts may reflect something that I think that we should all wrestle with. And his honesty, I think perhaps may give us permission to be honest with ourselves. And in his book, The Last Word, this this is what he writes. I want atheism to be true. I haven't just come to the conclusion based on the data. It's bigger and bolder than that. I want atheism to be true and not made uneasy by the fact that some of the most intelligent and well-informed people I know are religious believers. He's saying it bothers me that, that to think that there are people that who are believers because I want atheism to be true. What an extraordinary admission. And then he goes on to say, it isn't just that I don't believe in God and naturally hope that I'm right in my belief, it's that I hope there is no God. I don't want there to be a God. I don't want the universe to be like that. And that this struck me because this really opens the door to something that that we may not want to admit, and that is that there is a big difference between I don't believe it and I don't want to believe it. See, I don't believe it, it goes a little something like this, I used to believe, then something happened, I I went to school, I went to college, learned some things, read some books, and all of a sudden, I woke up one day, and I don't believe anymore. It's not that I don't want to believe, it's that I just don't believe. You see, I don't believe it is entirely different than I don't want to believe it, and they're two very different things, and here's the difference. I don't want to believe it has to do with our will has to do with our desires. So here's the question as we explore this very uncomfortable topic. Are you losing your faith or your commitment over something that happened to you or that you read or that information was just not there? Is that why you stepped away or are unwilling to commit? Or I'm prying a little bit. Here comes that that love and flexibility that you're giving me. Or did you decide to stop believing or fully commit because faith got to be inconvenient? And then after you decided to stop believing or fully commit, you realize, you know what? Stop believing is not an argument, so I need to get, develop some support for my unbelief. In other words, did your decision to stop believing precede the data that you collected to support your unbelief? Because if the issue, folks, is just, I don't believe, I don't believe, well, there's information, You you, you can get your questions answered. There's all kinds of things to explore. There's all kinds of books to read. If you want God to exist, if you want to fully commit, you can get answers. And if you seek answers, you will find answers. But here's a tough one, and here's where I want us to be honest. If your departure from the faith or lack of commitment was around will and desire if it was around you know i just don't want it to be true because it's inconvenient i don't want to do something that i don't want to do if your departure from the faith was around will and want i have to tell you that anything that i say any information that i give you or anybody else for that matter will never suffice you know that's why sometimes you argue with people and your arguments just bounce off of them in fact, Blaise Pascal, who's this 17th century mathematician, physicist, philosopher, you know, I think he, he died at the age of 39. He was, after, he was a child prodigy. He says something that's very profound. He says, people almost invariably arrive at their beliefs not on the basis of proof, but on the basis of what they find attractive. Are we not all guilty of this? And of course we are. And here's why. Because very few of us, myself included, and maybe you're the exception here, but very few of us are on a truth quest. We don't wake up every day, you know, I just want to know the truth and I'm willing to abandon all of my assumptions. I'm willing to abandon my entire worldview if only I could get the truth. We're not on a truth quest, folks. You guys wanna know what we're on? We are on a happiness quest. I just want to be happy. Give me a worldview. Give me a set of values. Give me a way of thinking that makes me happy. And guess what? If my worldview instead of values don't make me happy anymore, then I am willing to change my worldview instead of values because I am not on a truth quest. It'd be nice to know the truth, but at the end of the day, I just want to be happy. St. Augustine said this, We love the truth when it enlightens us. We hate the truth when it convicts us. We've actually told you this several times during this message, messages. And we all know this. That's why it's hard to look in the mirror and reflect. I mean, just just think about when you were a kid and you used to argue with your parents. When you argued with your parents, were you trying to get to the truth? Or were you trying to get what you want? Were you trying to get to the bottom line and say, you know, mom and dad, you know, let's find the truth. Oh, dad, you know what? You're right. I apologize. You enlightened me. No, we didn't argue with our parents that way. We argued to get our way, not the truth. You know, sometimes I'm in the middle of a disagreement with my wife, and halfway through the the argument, I realize, uh oh, she's right. (laughs) What do I do? What do you guys think I do? You think I would stop and say, you know what, honey, you're right? Uh, I apologize. I'll try to do better next time. No, I just keep on arguing because I'm not trying to get to the truth. I'm trying to win. (laughs) It's not about right and wrong. It's about winning. It's about my happiness. So here's what I encourage you to do. And folks, I know this is tough because when we won't acknowledge what we suspect to be true, When we won't look because of the fear of what we might see, and I know we've all been there. Do you guys want to know what that means? It just means there's something else going on. That means there's more to the story. It means that all of the arguments and all of the reasons that you put out there, while they may be true and while they may give you leverage and while they may help you justify, it means that there's more to the conversation than you've been willing to acknowledge. So this is the question today, do you not believe or you just don't want to believe? You don't want to commit, you don't want to engage. So at the risk of ruining this series, right here at the end, and maybe even offending some of you, which again, I certainly don't want to do it and I appreciate that flexibility you're giving me and that love. Amen, brother. Could it be... Could it be that the real reason that you don't want to commit or want to step away from the faith is not the real reason that you tell people? Could it be one of the three things that I'm about to tell you? Could it be that that if there is a God, if God, then you're guilty and I'm guilty? Could it be the things in your past, your mistakes, some are so big and so bold and embarrassing? And even though we don't like to use this word and even though you've almost escaped this emotion... And escape this feeling. And when you bring these things front and center, it brings back these feelings of shame. Could it be that it's bigger than those mistakes? And those mistakes transition you from the fact that maybe it wasn't just a mistake. I sinned. Maybe there's some things that you can't reconcile. You can't make right. And in the aftermath and in the wake of those decisions, it just hovers and it follows you around, and if you crack, and if I crack the, the door open of the fact that maybe there is a God, then I have to admit my guilt. And folks, I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't want to feel that way. Maybe that's your story. Could it be that if God, I'm accountable Mom, starting with me. I mean, I don't want to be accountable. We all want to play God. I mean, if you think about it, that happened since the beginning. It is the story of the Garden of Eden, and it explains so much. In the beginning, it is the initial phase of mankind deciding, you know what? God, we don't need you. Who needs God? Not me and not her. And then we go through life and it plays out with the illusion of autonomy where we think that somehow I will be my own person, that I can do what I want and I can make my own choices. But folks, unaccountable people, you know, the ones that say, I'll do it my way. Nobody needs to tell me what to do. I can handle it. I can manage. Unaccountable people always make regretful decisions. But if there is a God, suddenly you're accountable. And guess what? Accountability means submission. Submission. And we don't want to submit. We don't, to admit God means that you have to submit to God. So instead, some of us, we live some of these loud, busy lives until life gets our attention. And maybe, it could, could it be that maybe if there is a God, then I am... I can't even say the word. <laughs> so hard for me. Could it be that maybe I'm, I'm wrong? Play along with me for a second. I won't make you stand up and admit it to anybody else. It's just between you and God. What is it in us that won't admit what we know to be true? Especially when we know in our minds and in our hearts that we're wrong. You know, I've been wrong is the most direct route to discovering what is right. But we resist that. Could it be that if God, I am guilty I'm accountable, and I am wrong. And guess what? I don't want to be guilty, accountable, and wrong. So I'm just going to stick with my arguments, my justifications, and I'm just going to keep God at bay. Not now. I have a busy season in my life. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Not now, God. But Maybe when I'm older and my kids move out, then, then I'll fully commit. Maybe I'll return to church then. Well, folks, if again, if that resonates with you, I have to tell you that humility, as God's done it to me, more than I like to really deal with, humility is always the way forward. Humility always makes you bigger, makes you wiser, makes you smarter because humility, you see, makes you open to new information. Which brings us to the good news, and you guys are probably saying, thank God. When we acknowledge and we are honest with ourselves, and and we realize that the real issue for us is not God's existence, that the real issue for us is our personal resistance, when we get there, and if you would just take a baby step, folks, you have stepped into the middle of an epic, beautiful story. This epic story of God I just can't believe he does that. This epic story of God pursuing a relationship with a rebel race, starting with me. A rebel race that broke relationship with God. Give me a second. And I'll tell you why this is great news. Because once you're willing to admit that this isn't about God's existence, that this isn't actually about science, that this is about my personal resistance, once you are willing to admit that... God, what are you doing? (laughs) Once you're willing to admit that, you step into the stream of humanity that has struggled with submission to God since the beginning of time, and folks, that is exactly where you need to be. Because if Jesus was correct, and there's a lot of evidence to say that Jesus was correct, but more specifically, if Jesus was correct about God, then if there is a God, if God, there is forgiveness. That your rebellion, your sins, your mistakes, whatever you want to call them, they become the platform. Catch this: the platform for God. To demonstrate his love for you. In fact, the Apostle Paul said it perfectly. And there's this word that we, that we miss sometimes in this phrase. He says, for God demonstrates. It wasn't just talk. He demonstrated. For God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrated his love for you and for me, and he touched down to enter a relationship with mankind. And every relationship, especially those of you who are married understand this, every relationship requires sacrifice. Every offense requires forgiveness. Every offense requires coming back with restitution. And through Christ, so beautiful, it is the perfect story that through Christ, God demonstrated both his forgiveness and his restitution. That's great news to me. The other good news is that if there is a God, then there's relationship. To resist accountability to God, which we all resist, to resist relationship with God. And folks, I mean, parents know this too. When your kids rebel, what's broken? The relationship is broken. So if there is a God, there's relationship. And if there is a God, then there's truth. And we spoke about this last week. Because it's the basis for our moral law, everything that we're going to follow. There's the basis for justice, for morality. And if there is a God, then there's forgiveness, there's accountability, there's relationship, and there is truth. So folks, if the question was who wants God, at some point... None of us. But if the question is, who needs God? As it turns out, all of us. Now, you may not know this, but Jesus had brothers and sisters. In fact, the New Testament gives us some of their names, and he had a famous brother by the name of James. And it's, it's interesting to me because the, the Bible documents this, and the, it says that his brothers and sisters thought that Jesus was crazy. And the reason it's interesting to me, because if that had been me, I would have said, hey, can you guys leave that part out? You know, but instead they said, no, that's truly happened. Leave it in there. They thought he was crazy. But after the resurrection, they changed their minds, because I guess that's what happens after a resurrection. You go, "Oh, uh oh, I was wrong, right? Because I saw you die and I brought flowers out of respect to your tomb. And all of a sudden you're right here in front of me and I'm talking to you. So guess what? I believe now. Well, James, Jesus' brother, changed his mind and acknowledges that he was... (sighs) So hard for us. That he was wrong. And this is so powerful, and this is so amazing. And James, the brother of Jesus, and there's that awful word, uncomfortable word again, submitted to his brother and his Lord. And he received forgiveness for his vocal and his public non-following of Jesus and for rejecting Jesus when Jesus was doing all that ministry. And in 62 A.D., the high priest Ananus, he called together the Sanhedrin illegally, and he tried James, the brother of Jesus, for blasphemy. And James, the brother of Jesus, was stoned to death because of his faith in his Savior and Lord and his brother. But before he died, he wrote a letter. And that valuable, powerful letter was very important to the local church in the first century so they made copies of it, and guess what? You can find that letter in our New Testament, and it's called, because they weren't very creative with titling things back then, it's called James. How creative is that? And in his letter, he says something that I think lands the plane for us, wraps this whole series out, and it's, when I, I read it, I read it with a new set of eyes, and it just opened up my mind and my heart to, it was amazing. And here's what James, the brother of Jesus, who was stoned to death because of his faith in his brother, here's what he says. You guys ready? Come near to God, and he, God, will come near to you. Come near to God. You take that step, and he will come near to you. Now realizing that it might have been difficult for James to acknowledge that he was wrong, that he could have supported his brother, can you imagine he could have supported his brother through his ministry all those years, but instead he turned his back on him. And realizing the drawing near to God when you've already drawn away from God is very difficult to do, here's the next thing that James says. And in this language, we don't necessarily relate to, but this is what he says. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. And this is figurative language for hey, listen, admit it, acknowledge it. It wasn't just a mistake. You did it on purpose. You knew there was going to be consequences and you did it anyway. Wash your hands, you sinners. You knew. Goes on to say, and purify your hearts, you double minded. Again, this is a phrase that's so offensive to us, but it is essentially saying, hey, just quit playing games. Acknowledge what you know in your heart to be true, and then look at that thing that you're afraid to look at because of what it might demand of you. Be honest with yourself and don't hide behind an arsenal of arguments and justify the reasons why you don't believe or you don't want to come to church or you don't fully commit or you don't want to engage And then here's the toughest one, and it was the toughest one for me as I read it. James goes on to say and says, And humble yourselves before the Lord. So I'm going to call the worship team up. And as they come up, I just want to talk about how you draw near to God. He tells us right here, Humble yourself before the Lord. And then he tells us how, that regardless of what you've done, how long you've been away, that your heavenly Father will respond. He says, humble yourself before the Lord and He, God, will lift you up. I need to be lifted up. daily. As we close this morning, thank you for letting me have this conversation with you. I know it's, It is what God wants it to be. I just want to encourage you that as the worship team sings this song, it's a song of reflection. We're not going to stand up. You can sit in your chairs. You can close your eyes. You can sing along. I just want to encourage you to do what I asked you to do since the beginning, to be honest with yourself and not be honest with me or this church, but it's between you and God and just reflect this morning. On what God would bring to heart and mind that you need to be, that you need to admit. What would God reveal to you, reflect, and respond? You know, in fact, I left a couple of lines in your notes outline. Maybe you don't want anybody to know. Use your app. But I believe God is powerful, and he will reveal to you if you ask him to reveal whatever it is he wants you to learn from this message. He's faithful. Remember, it's between you and God. And maybe for some of you, you've never accepted Christ and it starts with commitment to God. Maybe for some of you, it's repentance and saying that, I'm r- that hard word that is so hard to say. I will sub- oh, submit. Maybe it starts there. Maybe it's a recommitment. I don't know. <laughs> There's no limits to what God can do. So let's bow our hearts and let's let the Spirit of God. Make us humble. And then I'll come back and pray for us. You know, I, I cried up here, and I didn't understand why until I went back to reflect myself, and God just reminded me that he took this broken boy in an impoverished nation of Mexico, and a, he overcame a lot of obstacles through me because I'm stubborn to have me in front of you, and that was overwhelming and, and very humbling. So that's why that happened. So as we close, I just want to pray for you. So if you just bow your heads in prayer with me, Heavenly Father, we are before you this morning, humbled before you when we acknowledge that not only do you exist, but that you love us, that you are for us, that you want the best for us. Father, so if someone here doesn't know you yet, but I just pray that you would reach out to them and as they draw near to you, that you would be faithful to draw near to them. And if that's you this morning, I just want you to repeat a prayer in your heart and say, dear God, I accept you into my heart. I know that I've been wrong and I repent of my mistakes. Come into my life and as best as I know how, I will follow you the rest of my lives." And if that's you this morning, every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I just want to know if anyone made that commitment because I, I, just, I just want to pray for you as we go along. Anyone here make that commitment for the first time? And if there's someone here that, that needs to recommit, maybe they're in, but they know that they aren't fully committed the way God is asking them to be committed and God brought that to your heart this morning, I just want you to repeat this, this prayer in your heart. Father, I've been wrong. Forgive me, Father, for not doing the things that I know to be true. Lord, and I ask that you would just help me, maybe with my unbelief, maybe with my commitment issues, Father. Help me as only you can help me to be the best follower that I can be. And the best that I know how, Lord, I will follow you all the rest of my life. And Father, I just want to pray for this this morning that as surely as you live and you're here in this place because your word promises that, that you would speak to all of us in the areas where you would have us either convict, do, say. In such a way, Lord, that as we walk out of these doors, we know unequivocally, we know that we know that you are with us. And although we leave this place, we do not leave without your presence. And Father, as such, I just ask for everyone here that's taking that step. And as everyone here takes that step, Lord, that you would be faithful to draw near to them every day, Father, so that at the end of all of this, Lord, we would give you credit and honor and and know that you are God. We love you this morning. In the name of Jesus, I pray.